listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. This is day four of the series. Uh, We've already covered 12 of the 15 um, practical things that you can do to safeguard your family's faith, to protect them from the wickedness of the world, and to ensure that... uh, what the what's happening in this world system through the spirit of antichrist will not come upon your family come into your home good morning hunter and um zach wilson love you buddy so we've covered those 12 if you missed any of these i really really encourage you to go back and watch um they're all put into a playlist on youtube we're going to have the whole series like we do when we finish a series uh the whole series will be in a playlist on youtube uh go back and watch these um I feel like this is so important. I want to make it into some kind of a a book or some kind of a product that people can have for their family. Um, You, I'll say it this way. It'll never be on accident that you have spiritual success. Put it in the comments. You can't have spiritual success on accident. So there, there has to be then practical steps that we take to ensure success in our family, in our personal life, children, grandchildren. There are practical biblical steps we have to take in order to see that kind of victory. It's like in the Old Testament, God told his people, I've given you the promised land. It's already yours. So, you know, at that moment, the giants that were living in the promised land just transitioned over into trespassing. Right? Because it no longer was their land. As soon as God gave it to his children, it became their land and the giants were now trespassing. However, the, the God's people still had to go in there and drive the giants out of their land. So yes, it was theirs, but there was still something they had to do practically to take what God said was theirs. And that's what we're doing through this series. The Bible says that we fight the good fight of faith, and we lay hold on eternal life. So faith is a fight. There's no question about that. Faith is a fight, and only fighters are qualified to be winners. Only fighters are qualified to be winners. So you you have to understand there's a responsibility on our part to take the victory that God gave us through Christ. You have to, you you literally have to enforce the victory. You know, one of the things we read in scripture is the Bible says, occupy until I come. Occupy. That's a military term. Um, An army left behind in a nation where they just won a war, but there's occupation in that nation. Right to ensure that the system they're setting up comes to pass. Occupy till I come. We're the army of God. We're occupying this world and bringing heaven to earth. Jesus' prayer that he taught the disciples, let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's what we're doing. But remember, then, there is something that we must do to enforce the victory Christ purchased. What a revelation for somebody. Put that in the comments. I'm required to enforce the victory Christ purchased. That will change your life once you get that revelation. I am required to enforce the victory that Christ purchased. In fact, uh, Tiff, I'd write that down. We'll make that into some kind of a quote or something we can use. I am required to enforce the victory that Christ purchased. Glenn said, I'm the enforcer. By your faith, you're the enforcer. By your faith. Faith is a fight. We fight the good fight of faith. We lay hold on eternal life. And so 
We enforce the victory. That's why there are Christians that don't walk in victory because it doesn't automatically hit you. It doesn't automatically hit your children or your grandchildren or your life or your mind or your finances or your body. You've got to enforce the victory that Christ purchased by your authority, by your faith. That's why faith is a fight. We've got to fight the good fight of faith. The enemy will do everything he can. Now, now watch. He doesn't have authority over you. So what does he do? What does he do to try to keep you from victory? Deceives. He's a deceiver. He's a liar. So he's banking on your ignorance. He's banking on you having a lack of knowledge of God's word and not understanding what belongs to you, your rights, your inheritance as a child of God. He's banking on that. That's why it's so vital that we know what the Bible says, that we know what belongs to us. It is vital that we know that because he's banking on our ignorance. He's banking on our lack of knowledge because he wants to destroy us. Where there is uh, that place, what did the Bible say in the Old Testament? Even God said it in the Old Testament, my people are destroyed for what reason? Lack of knowledge. Not because the devil's attacking, not because there are demon spirits, no. He said my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. Do you know in the New Testament that thought is echoed as Jesus says in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. You can't be set free by any truth you don't have. You cannot be set free by any truth you do not have. So you've got to gain the knowledge of the truth in order to walk in that freedom. I've said this before and I'll, I'll, I'll say it here on this broadcast. Any area of your life where you lack truth, you'll lack freedom. In any area, doesn't matter if it's healing, if it's peace and joy, financial freedom, uh, whatever it might be, righteousness, it doesn't matter. In any area of your life where you lack truth, you will lack freedom. There's no question about that. Because it's the truth that sets you free. My people are destroyed. Why? Lack of knowledge. They have a lack of knowledge. And I refuse to be destroyed because I don't have sufficient knowledge of God's word. In fact, you want to know a powerful verse you can put in your notes um, that really, I love this. It's Paul, the apostle, speaking to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20. Listen to what he says in verse 32. Acts 20, 32. It proves our point here. Paul says, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. You see that? Acts 20, 32. He said, I commend you not just to God, but to the word. I'm giving you to the word. Why? This word is able to build you up, number one, and to give you the inheritance among all those that are sanctified. Look at that. So that's why the devil doesn't want you having knowledge of the word. That's why he doesn't want it in your spirit, in your mind, meditate on it day and night, speak it out of your mouth, believe it, stand on it. Why? Because it builds you up, but it also gives you your inheritance. It allows you to enforce the victory that Jesus purchased all those 2,000 years ago. Hallelujah. It gives you the ability to enforce the victory. What does? Your knowledge of the word. I cannot have something I don't know is mine. And it builds your faith to receive what God said is yours. That's why we have to go after it with everything we have. And don't let the devil lie, deceive, or keep you in the dark. And so we're doing these, we're taking these practical steps. We've already covered 12 of the 15, fighting the good fight of faith, taking these steps to ensure that my family will look different. My children will be different. We had somebody jumping on in the comments. This is such a gullible mindset that you guys are teaching and talking about. 
you can't insure, you can't insure this for your family. Oh, then Joshua was out of his mind when he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you can't say that for your children. Oh no, I'm saying it for them. And then I'm going to train them in such a way. You know, it's so funny because uh, people that make those arguments about like spiritual disciplines, they're so dumb because to, to live by that logic, you would have to say that it's impossible for somebody to be trained in such a way where they don't do the things that would destroy their life. Right? Like once you come to the knowledge of the truth, you can actually have the ability, even if you're not a Christian, by self-control, you know, I don't, it's like when I was, when I was young, I was talking to my cousin and he was, he was real young, not Jonathan, but my other cousin, Matt. And uh, he told me, he said, one time I was playing car against the wall. I was like, oh, really? He said, yeah, I would put my feet against the wall in the house and I would act like there's a steering wheel there. He said, but then one day I found my dad's keys. So I took the key and put it into the uh, outlet in the wall to turn the car on. Well, when he did that, it blew him back from the wall. And he said partially his arm was like blackened going up, going up his arm from where he stuck the key in the wall and it shot the electricity into his arm. And, um, you know, obviously didn't understand that that was dangerous as a boy. But I can guarantee you, when you're taught that, you don't, you don't want to have direct... Then, He's not 37, 38 years old today, 39, still sitting in his house, sticking his key in the, in the outlet because you can be trained. You can be trained to do what is right, to not destroy yourself. It's like saying, well, you can't ensure he'll never do that again. Oh no, I, I can, <laughs> I can ensure he'll never do that again. You know, there's a reason that I don't just walk over to the stove while it's hot and just lay my hands on it and just begin to hold and get third degree burns. I know not to do it. I've been trained. I've been trained. I know not to do that. There's a reason I don't go outside and just stand there and look up and stare at the sun for hours at a time. I've been trained. Don't look directly into the sun. And it's crazy to me that people know that this is true in the natural world, the natural life. Oh yeah, you can train people so that they don't do the things that destroy their, but then you act like in spiritual discipline, it's impossible. Well, you can't, you can't ensure that. Oh no, you can train them in the way that they should go. And when they're old, they'll not depart from it. You can definitely train your children in such a way that they have the proper knowledge necessary to succeed and that they will succeed. But you have to make it a priority. I would err on the fact, because you know, people bring it up. Well, I've seen preachers, kids that go away from the Lord. Yeah, me too. Me too. That doesn't mean just because you're a preacher's kid that you're going to have an automatic free pass into just living for the Lord for the rest of your life. I've seen it too. I've seen it too. But I would say on the other side of that, I've also seen households where the preacher and his wife were so engaged in the work of the ministry that their kids were neglected. I've seen that. See, many people don't see the backside of it, which I've seen my whole life. I thank God for a mom and a dad that didn't neglect their children, though they were engaged in the ministry. And that's why I'm serving the Lord today. That's why I'm on the path that I'm on. That's why our family's on a path that it's on. Because we had parents that didn't neglect their children while they were engaged in the work of the ministry. They trained their children instead. They trained their children. That's why our family is where it's at. It's not, it's, it's, it's the hand of God, but it was generation to generation. Paul said to, to Timothy, the same faith you have right now, I saw it first in your grandmother, then I saw it in your mother, now I see that it's in you. Woo, hallelujah. Listen to that. He said, the same faith I saw in your grandmother that was also in your mother is now in you. Well, how did it get there? It was passed down through training. It was passed down through training. Brother Glenn said, train them to be adults. That's right. There's a lot of adults that are running around still acting like kids because they were never trained on how to be an adult. You know, and people make a joke about it now. You go on social media and people are doing like a responsible thing and they put hashtag adulting. Like hashtag adulting, like really? You're like proud that you're doing adult things as an adult? <laughs> Going to the DMV, getting my registration, <laughs> adulting. Oh, really? 
You're an adult now. You should be doing adult things. Makes me laugh. There's a lot. That, you know, we're living in a generation right now that has the latest move out of parents' houses in the history of the world. People are living with their parents now all the way until into their 30s. Into their 30s. It's the latest people have ever moved out into their own life in the history of the United States of America, ever. 30-something years old. It's time, that's right, bad luck. Time to get off the milk. It is time to get off the milk. Very true. Hunter said, adulting can be hard. <laughs> There's a training that goes on. And that's what this series is about. We're training them in righteousness. Let, let me just give you this. Before we get to these final three, and then I'm going to pray for your requests today, uh, go to 2 Timothy chapter 3, and let's, let's look at this together, because this, this will help you understand what I'm talking about. 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for what? What is scripture profitable for? For teaching, reproof, correction. And for training in righteousness. For training in righteousness. So that means that righteousness is um, a position that you stand in, right? You are made righteous. So I'm standing in a position of righteousness. I'm in right standing with God. But also, according to Paul, the apostle, righteousness, there's training in righteousness, that's what we're doing with our children. As I said the other day, <laughs> parenting is a 21-year, at the minimum, discipleship program. And of course, you never stop uh, training your kids and giving them advice, but at some point, they have to <laughs> take some steps on their own. But parenting is a 21-year discipleship process and program. That's good. I like that, Glenn. Training is different than teaching. Because training builds habits, teaching provides information. I like that a lot, Glenn. Is that yours, Glenn, or did, did you get that from like a leadership book or something? Because I will give you credit when I use it in a book. But is that your quote, or is that something you read? Training is different than teaching. That's his. Because training builds habits, teaching provides information. Very succinct. Write it down, Tiffany. We're using it. You copied it and pasted it. We're using it, Glenn. And I'm going to say, as Glenn Karam always says, when I reference it in the book, as Brother Glenn Karam always says, that's right. Training's different than teaching. Why? Training builds habits. Teaching build, provides information. You know what's interesting? Is when you are, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, I was thinking about this in the, um, the context of home defense. One of the things when you train, for example, let's say you're training with a firearm uh, or, or you're training in the military, they want you to have the ability to be instantly reactive uh, when you come into a situation that you've trained for, right? They want you to be instantly reactive. They want you to be able to do something almost by reflex because you've trained for it so often it should be when that thing triggers that I know is the situation that I'm supposed to react to, my reaction should be almost instinctive because I've trained for it so often. And that's exactly what it, what it should be. And, and as Glenn is pointing out here, the training is what builds the habits. So that if my child ever encounters a situation they don't have to be thrown off or have to think about it for a week to wonder, how should I respond to this? They should be trained to know. If you encounter this, this is your reaction. If you encounter this, here's how you react. Paul did that with Timothy. There were multiple times he told him exactly what to do. Don't let anybody despise your youth. Okay, so if I come into a situation where people are, uh, are, are trying to despise my youth, though I'm the leader of this church and I'm supposed to be teaching the entire congregation, I'm shutting it down instantly. That's my instinctive response. You try to come and despise my youth and say you can't respect my authority because I'm too young to respect. No, I'm shutting that down because Paul was teaching him. It's not about how old you are. It's about what was been, what's been imparted to you and the call of God that's upon your life. Reactionary, habitual, 
right? Same thing. Flee youthful lust. All right. So if I encounter youthful lust, I know the reaction. I flee. I run as if in terror. So there are reactionary things. We know what to do. We know what to do in situations. And I'm telling you, um, th- that's exactly right. Glenn said, when, when seconds count, you have to react. Same concept in hand-to-hand combat. No question. If every second matters, you have to understand how to react, how to respond. And how much more important is e- are eternal things than temporal things, right? When you're dealing with people, when somebody has a question, I can't, if, so, if I'm dealing with somebody and my child has someone come and they're in a life and death situation, I'm thinking about killing myself, I, I'm so depressed, I don't understand, can you explain this to me, whatever. I can't, can't, my child can't afford to spend, you know, 14 days researching the topic before they get back to this person. They may be gone by then. Have it in your spirit. You should be reactionary through your training, just like a soldier, Bill. Trained in righteousness. That's what I was pointing out the other day. And we're sending children out. We're sending them out into public schools. We're sending them out into liberal cesspool universities. And they're not trained. They don't have the training. They don't have the training to respond. They don't have the training. They don't know what to say. They don't know, they, they, they don't have the proper knowledge. That's a mistake. To send them out into the world without proper training in righteousness, right? And so that's what 2 Timothy 3, 17 says, or 16, for training, the word of God's for training in righteousness. So let me give you these three final things and, and round off the 15 today. Um, number 13. This is so important. You want to keep that out of your home. Keep the wickedness away from your family. Keep it away. That spirit of this world, that antichrist agenda. One of the things that helps immensely is train your family, train your children to be soul winners. Number 13, train them to be soul winners. That's so vital. Train them to be soul winners. The Bible says, he that wins souls is wise. My grandfather used to say, and he that doesn't is otherwise. (laughs) God's number one agenda, the souls of men and women. The souls of men and women. Train your children to be soul winners. That's why I was so proud of my daughter, Brooklyn, the other day. She came back and uh, she, I told you the story. She was at her friend's house and uh, she was just telling her, you know, you need to come you need to come to church and uh, with me. And do you have a Bible here? Let's get our Bibles out and let's let's talk about it. And let me read something to you. And she sat her down and opened the Bible and started reading to her and teaching her. And Brooklyn's nine years old, reading and teaching her. And then I told you she she had brought an offering envelope back from church and she took an offering in the girl's room. The girl put her money in the piggy bank and into the offering envelope. Very sweet moment for the both of them. But now, I we get a text message from her mother. Uh, to Carolyn saying, hey, do you guys have like a children's Bible or anything um, around there available at your house? Now my daughter's all into learn, wants to learn about God and learn about Christ. Well, look, look, look what happened. Because my daughter is ha- having training in righteousness, she's immediately sharing the gospel with her friends, even though she's nine years old. What did it do? It sparked a desire in her friend to learn about Jesus, to learn about God. And we gave her one of the Miracle Word Kids uh, study guides, the devotionals, the big workbooks that we have, gave it to her and she's enjoying it. And her mom said, Hey, do you have any children's Bibles around the house? My daughter's now all into learning about God, learn about Jesus. Well, look what happened. Look what happened. Just the training in righteousness that Brooklyn has received in nine years has already provoked her to be an evangelist, to be a soul winner. And we don't have to wait till we're 18 or 21 to win souls or to tell people about Jesus and the goodness of God. And she started doing it. And she's just, it's not the first time. She's had other friends come over to the house and she'll say, hey, do you know, and she'll open her Bible and just start reading and teaching. Very sweetheart and very, she's got an anointing on her life. Powerful anointing on her life. And so she's aligning herself. See, that's what this training in righteousness does. She's aligning herself with God's Number one agenda. What is God's number one agenda? Well, let's read 2 Peter 3, 9. The Bible says, The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, 
not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. You see that? So God's desire is that nobody would perish. Now, will some people perish? Yes, but it's not his desire that any should perish. You know, it's interesting to me that uh, people that don't believe that, you know, anybody has the ability to be saved, those that are, you know, reformed that believe that only a certain group of people, the elect can be saved and nobody else has the opportunity. They won't even have an opportunity because they, they, they won't. God didn't choose them before the foundations of the world. They'll read verses like this and have to add things in to the verse in order to make it fit their theology. Well, what he's saying here is that he's not willing that any of his elect should perish. Not that anybody in the world should perish, but any of his elect. When the Bible clearly says he didn't just die for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. Did you know the Bible says that? Christ did not die for our sins only, but for the sins of the entire world. And he's not willing that any should perish. But that doesn't mean that all will, will come to new life in Christ. There will be many that perish, that end up in hell, separated from God. But it's not God's desire. It's just that they've rejected God. They've rejected Christ. And our desire is to align ourselves with God's desire, to be soul winners. I want to see people come into the kingdom. But let me tell you what happens. When you do that, when you train your family to be soul winners, one of the things, it doesn't just align them with God's agenda to see souls saved, which by the way, brings a blessing all on its own into your family. Because let me tell you something, God blesses soul winners. God blesses soul winners. The Bible says he pays the reapers wages. God blesses soul winners. And so it's not just that though. It's not just that. It's also the fact that it puts in your family an eternal mindset. An eternal mindset, not just focused on right now, today, tomorrow. No, that there's an eternity coming. It puts a fire in your spirit. It puts a boldness in your heart. Puts a fire in your spirit and a boldness in your heart. Tiff, I'm done with that person. You can go on YouTube and just send them into oblivion. Um, puts a fire in their spirit, a boldness in their heart. When you keep them in an eternal mindset, saying, you know what? This is not all there is. There's a day coming very soon where Christ is going to return. And people that are not ready They're out of time. They're out of time. They're out of luck. That's why Jesus pushed this urgency into the hearts of his disciples. Gospel of John chapter nine and verse four. The Bible says we must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day for the night is coming where no man can work. So that means the gospel, there'll come a day when the gospel is not available to people anymore. The night is coming where no man can do the work that Jesus and his disciples and we as the church were sent to do. Get that in your family. Get that in your children. It's important to see people come to Jesus. It's important to see people come to God. Time's running out. And when you put that kind of an urgency into your child's heart, your heart, and understand, I've got to get to work. I know people that are not ready for, for heaven. They're not ready to see Jesus. And I'll tell you one thing, by putting yourself in position to align yourself with God's desire, God's plan, God's agenda, and you start to do the work of the, of the kingdom, it pushes you into a place. I, I don't have time. I don't have time to go out and, and do everything else. I've got, a, I've got a job to do. I've got work to do. Best thing we could ever do is train our children to go after the souls of lost men and women. Win them to Jesus at any cost. Go into the highways, the byways, compel them to come in. Compel them to come in. So that's number 13. Number 14. This is an important one. Number 14. Train your children, train your family to serve together. Serve together. So what do you mean by serve together. Well, 
You should not just be in the kingdom of God. You should be serving in the kingdom of God. You should be serving at your church. What gifts, what talents has God placed in you, in your children, in your grandchildren? Locate your gifts, locate your talents. What is it? Some things don't even take uh, extreme gifts and talents. You don't have to be a, a musician in the church. What if you were just somebody who was willing to stay and clean up the sanctuary? What if you were somebody that was willing to stand at the door and welcome people with a smile as they came into the church? What if you were somebody and you trained your children? We're going to go. We've got such wonderful families already at Miracle Word Church. And I love coming into the parking lot and seeing families and, and the young people out there welcoming people into the parking lot. Welcome to church. Welcome to church. I love seeing it. Wonderful ushers, wonderful tech people. What, what if, you, you know, and if there is a small amount of training required, that's fine. Run a camera, run the computer, run the overheads, you know, whatever it might be. Do something to serve and to give your time in the kingdom. What are you doing personally to help complete the tasks that the church has? Right? And we're teaching our children, training our children to be a servant of God. I'm not just coming to eat, 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 eat. I'm coming to serve. I'm coming to serve. You know, it blew my mind that there were people, I'll tell you how much I love the Victory Tribe. There were people who came to be a part of the church launch the first Sunday because they really wanted to be a part of what was happening at Miracle Word Church. But they let us know ahead of time, we're coming, but we want to serve. Even though it's first Sunday, we want to see everything that's going on and be a part. There were people that wanted to serve simply, not even in the sanctuary. I'll serve in kids class. Put me in, put me in kids class. It was the first Sunday, but they had such a desire. See, that's why I love the Victory Tribe. They have that spiritual maturity to understand I'm a servant of God. And they said, put me in this, put me in that. I want to serve however you need me, wherever you need me. We've got to train our children to be the same way. I'm not just coming to church to sit there and listen to a, pre a preacher, listen to the thing. I'm coming to serve. How can I serve? What can I do to be a servant of God? And whether it takes something that needs training, uh, some sort of tech job or whatever it might be, music or whatever, or something you could simply stand up and do. I'm going to greet people in the lobby. I'm going to stand in the parking lot, welcome, welcome people. I'm going to park cars. I'm going to be an usher. I'm going to whatever. What, I'm going to stick around, clean up. Whatever it might be. What a powerful position in the kingdom to know I'm a servant of the Most High God. Listen to Galatians five. I want to read you Galatians chapter five and verse thirteen. Paul talking about the fact that they're now free, but not free to just go do whatever they want. But look at this. Paul writes, for you were called to freedom. Brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. That's what we should use our freedom for. To serve one another. Use your freedom in Christ to serve one another. Hallelujah. And that's what we're doing. I, I tell you, just coming through uh, this last week where we had to lay my friend to rest. Um, first funeral we, we've done at Miracle Word Church. And uh, I was just so blown away by the quality of the people we have at Miracle Word Church. The quality the care, the, the efficiency of not just the Miracle Word team, but the people that we have uh, in the church. God has truly blessed us with people who have this heart that I'm preaching about right now, the love and the freedom to serve one another. Selfless acts of compassion like I've never seen. Like I've never seen. And it's been so amazing to watch and such a blessing to the family. And that's what the Bible's teaching here, that we have a freedom to serve one another. That's right. Fabian said, if you want to be great in the kingdom, you've got to serve. Whoever's going to be the greatest must become your servant. That's a, everything's a paradox in the kingdom. If you want to go up, you got to go down. If you want to have, you got to give away. Everything's a paradox in the kingdom of God. And that's what I'm teaching today is that we're teaching our family, our children. We're servants of God. We serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. 
My kids are excited to serve. You know, we get up early, especially in this mobile situation. You know, there's people getting up at three in the morning to go and set up the, uh, you know, the, the church and get everything ready before we're in our building because we're still right now in the ballroom. There's people that get up very, very early, three in the morning, three thirty in the morning to get ready, to pack the gear, to get to the auditorium by 6 a.m. to begin setting up. And it stirred me up, you know, Maddie, she'll serve on some things, but there's been, and she's only 13, but there's been days where she said, no, I want to get up and go with my cousin. I want to be there early to help and whatever. That makes me happy to see that she has a desire to not sleep in, but to get up early, to get herself ready, to go help set up, to go do, to serve at 13 years old. It stirs me up. Our children have to know. Another thing that I would recommend at some point, if you've never done it, Take your children on a missions trip of some sort to work and to serve people, even in another country. It's a life-changing thing when you leave to go serve others and then you see how other Christians are living in other nations of the world, things that they're experiencing, things that they're dealing with, things that persecutions they're facing, things that they have to go through. And you travel and get out of your comfort zone and you go into those places to serve. You're there to serve. You're there to work. It's not a vacation. It's a, it's a, it's a missions trip. We're there on a mission to do a job, to do some work. And, um, if your children begin to see that and to experience that, and it changes their whole life to understand we're serving alongside our global brothers and sisters in the body of Christ to see their lives change, to pray for them, looking at others that are in need. There's nothing better in the kingdom than focusing outwardly. One of the biggest mistakes that destroys us is that we keep everything inwardly focused. It's about me. What am I going to get? Where's my word? I need to be, you know, where's my revelation? I need to be recognized. I need to be, and, and every time you turn it inwardly, you are doing the opposite of what we do in the kingdom, which is to turn it outward. I'm looking to serve. I'm looking to help. I'm looking to bless, right? That's right. Denise said missions trips are life changing. No question. Because it puts you in that perspective, that eternal mindset that it's not just this little uh, group that I live in here in my community, my town. There's a world full of believers that are facing different things that need prayer, that need help, that need, you know what I mean? And, And that's exactly what I'm talking about. So serve together. That's number 14. Serve together. Teach your children. We, we don't just attend church faithfully. We serve at church. We serve at church. We do things to help bring the vision to pass. Amen. And I thank God for great, great help here at Miracle Word Church. We're blessed, truly. And we continue to, we're continuing to be blessed more and more. It's a wonderful thing to watch. We have amazing worship. We have amazing ushers. We have amazing greeters, amazing uh, children's workers, amazing tech team, people in the parking lot, every, every aspect. And now we're seeing hospitality and, you know, uh, care. Amazing. I mean, just excellence excellence and God's blessed us with excellence. And I thank God for it. That's what we got to train our, our next generation to do. Amen. Thank you, Jess. Love you. Number 15. Let me give you this. Integrate, find ways to integrate your faith into daily life. Now this is something we do with the kids. And I think it's important because it drives a motivation and a love for them to go deeper into their faith, to go deeper into their faith. Um, say, what do you mean by that? How can I do that practically? Well, give, let me give you a few ways. Let me give you a few ways that I feel like will really, it's, it's a help to your children. So number 15, integrate your faith into, into your daily life. Find ways to integrate your faith into your daily life. Here's a few ways. What about things that you do on your vacations? Every now and then, what, you know, are there places that you can stop and show, you know, there's a few places that we've already taken the kids, um, since we've been, you know, traveling, you could make it a family vacation. One thing we did was we took them to the Bible museum in Washington, DC, which is an amazing place to go. If you've never been there, the Bible museum, um, which there's a lot of different attractions inside. I think it's like four stories. Uh, full city block in Washington, D.C., but you can see all, they have all of the Bibles from history. You can see, you know, 
the you can see Dead Sea Scrolls there. I mean, amazing history of the Bible. But then there's uh, different uh, attractions inside the museum that'll take you through time. There's rides you can go on, or virtual reality rides. They'll take you through, show you uh, scriptures throughout Washington, D.C. They'll show you different things. I mean, it's, it's truly one of my favorite things. And just to see those Bibles on the top floor. And then they had a room where they're showing you what nations of the world have Bibles in their languages, which ones have New Testaments, which ones are still waiting on, on, I didn't think there were any, but apparently there are still dialects of languages waiting on translations of the Bible in their dialect, in their language. And they're showing which ones are being worked on, which ones are being planned to be worked on. And uh, so place like that, we took the children to the Ark experience in Kentucky. And you can see Ken Ham and his team created a, a life-size replica, a true-size replica, biblical. They took the biblical sizing and built Noah's Ark in Kentucky. And we walked through that. Uh, it's called the Ark Experience. Absolutely amazing. We walked through Noah's Ark, uh, saw how they may have done things for the time they had to spend in the Ark. They're building the Tower of Babel there. They have all kinds of different attractions and different uh, lectures you can hear and uh, everything. Ark experience. And then there's the um, Creation Museum, not far away from that, 40 minutes away. Uh, the Creation Museum, absolutely awesome. Uh, and then also, um, on top of both of those, the Sight and Sound Theater outside of Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Absolutely mind-blowing. If you've never been to Sight and Sound Theater, uh, they'll choose a Bible story and they do a full Broadway uh, quality production. And we've seen a couple of them. Uh, we saw David and Goliath. We saw Queen Esther. Um, I think there was one other that, that we've seen. And they're, they're literally, in my opinion, better than Broadway. I've been on Broadway. I've, I've seen shows on Broadway. But the quality and presentation uh, with a wraparound stage that goes around you at probably about 270 degrees, is the quality is unbelievable. It's so next level. And so these are the things I'm talking about. What about on your vacations? Have you ever planned a vacation around doing some things that are faith-based to, to get that interest in your children and in, in your family uh, for these things? Another one is this. What about movies or documentaries? Get your family interested in, in things. You know, where did our Bible come from? How do we know that it's true? Uh, you know, whatever it might be. Have you watched the Bible uh, series? Have you watched the, you know, they have the, the, the AD series. They have the Bible series. Have you watched those with your children? Have you looked and said, now let's watch these episodes and see, do they really match up to what the Bible says? Or did the producers take liberties with uh, the scripture and, and kind of write things in that are not in the Bible. It's a good study moment. What about uh, books that you'd recommend to your children? Say, listen, you'd really enjoy this. You need to read this. See, again, we're back to, tr we're training them in righteousness, but find ways even in your daily life, even with your, um, oh, that's right, Mary Sue, there's a, a sight and sound in Branson, Missouri, as well as Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So whether you go to Missouri, whether you go to Lancaster, um, there's places you can take your family, and then, you know, have you ever, we've had families do this. We've done this as a family. Go to special meetings. Go, go to a special outdoor crusade, a tent meeting, whatever it might be. And get, get uh, your family to serve in those contexts. And what we're doing is we're integrating our faith into our daily life. I'll say one more thing before we pray, and that is this. I talked with a pastor, uh, which I thought this was so wise to do this. He already had a book list that he wanted his children to read. And so he said, you know what? For every book you read on this list, I'll give you this amount of money. He said, are you going to bribe your children to read books? No, I'm paying them for their efforts because I understand how important the knowledge that they're receiving is to get that information into their spirit. And so he already had a book list. He told his children, for every book that you complete on this list, I'll give you this amount of money. Because he understood there's got to be a motivation. Did you know David did that even before he fought Goliath? Oh, of course, he felt uh, in his spirit, 
irritated when Goliath was blaspheming God. He said, I'm going to kill him. But he didn't kill him before saying, let me ask you this. What's the person that kills this giant going to get? Because I'm looking to get something. And then they told him, well, he gets his, his taxes, no, no taxes for the rest of his life for him and his family. And he gets to marry the king's daughter. And, All right. Just making sure there's a reward for my efforts. A reward for my efforts. Teaching your children to think with a reward-based mentality. I don't do things for nothing. I do things with an expectation that it's going to pay off in a positive context in my life. That's called sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping. And so uh, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not above that. I want my children to, uh, and especially as they go, get older, now Maddie's getting to the place where she can comprehend some of these books uh, the way that she needs to. I'm not against that. I want that information in your spirit. I want that knowledge in your heart. I want you to be trained to know the things you need to know before you have to encounter these things. Susan said, I did that with the scriptures. She, rem- she memorized 42 and all the books of the Old Testament and I gave her $52 and my mom matched her. That's awesome. That's wonderful. Because it is vital that we train them. It is vital that we train them. And so with these 15 practical things that you can take and, and put them into your family uh, habits and, and culture, What does it ensure? It ensures that we're not allowing the spirit of this world to just creep in and take our children, creep in and mess and harass with their minds. I'm guarding them. I'm training them. I'm preparing them. And they're going to be mighty in the land in Jesus name. Go with me. Final scripture before we pray. Psalm 112. The Bible says, praise the Lord. I'm starting in verse one, Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. Everything I've taught you over these last four days have been the commandments of God, the commandments of scripture, commandments of scripture. What's the blessing? Wealth and riches are in his house, but go back first to verse two, his offspring. That's my children, your children. Grandchildren, his offspring will be mighty in the land and the generation of the upright will be blessed. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Listen to this, Psalm 78. I read this to you this week, but I got to read it one more time. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings from of old, things that we've heard and known that our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from our children, but tell them to the coming generation, the glorious deeds of the Lord and his might and the wonders that he's done. I'll not hide these things from my children. I'll not hide these things from my grandchildren. They will know the mighty goodness of God from generation to generation. They will know. They absolutely will know. And that's what I'm believing for you and your family as well. We have uh, prayer requests here. We're going to pray. We're going to pray and ask God to do something supernatural for you and your families. People have been writing in. I'm praying for every one of you. But Father, we come to you today in the mighty name of Jesus, and we're believing God for supernatural things to take place in our families, supernatural things in our homes. Lord, even if our children are far from God right now, maybe they've become adults, they're not serving God like we wanted them to. I pray that you get a hold of them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we pray for family restoration and that children will return to serving the Lord. Bring them back into the kingdom. Let them be on fire for God. Father, family members that will come to know God, break down the walls around their heart in Jesus' name, that have a full relationship with Christ. Father, give them healing. Let let them leave their regrets behind. Father, I pray, break them out of sexual perversion, sexual temptations, tempers, anger, vengeance, unforgiveness, healing from guilt, regret, anger. Father, in Jesus' name, unforgiveness has to go. It has to go in Jesus' name. We pray for it by the power of the Holy Ghost. Lord, restore marriages. Bring husbands and wives back together by the power of your spirit. I take authority over this drug addiction 
alcohol addiction, pornography addiction in the name of Jesus Christ. Father, this anger, this abuse that's taking place in the home, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would bring this husband to the saving knowledge of Christ in Jesus' name. I pray that jobs would become available, that there'd be more than enough provision in the home in Jesus' name. Lord, this precious wife praying for her husband, for his salvation and for her daughter's salvation and to restore the joy of salvation to to, uh, their family in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, not just for the immediate family, but for those that are extended. And we thank you and give you praise. They're coming into the kingdom in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for these sons and daughters, those that have been offended, those that have been hurt, those that have been abused, even in churches. I pray in Jesus' name that they would come back into the kingdom by the power of the Holy Ghost. Give their families turnaround, turnaround in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you. We give you praise in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, I pray. I pray for full, what we call household salvation in Jesus' name household salvation, that they'll not just be saved, but that they would be delivered and filled with the mighty power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' mighty name. We thank you, Lord. On both sides of the family, they're coming in. We give you praise and healing for the body. I take authority over congestion. I take authority over respiratory problems. And I lose healing virtue into your body today. Be made whole by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray that you would restore unity in the household by the power of your spirit. That children would submit to authority in Jesus' mighty name. In Jesus' mighty name. No rebellion has to submit to authority in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you. Healthy pregnancy, baby delivered safely and soundly in the name of Jesus Christ. Strengthen that baby. Put an anointing on that baby even from within the womb in Jesus' mighty name. Lord, for those that are believing God, even for provision in their families, that their rent and their payments would be provided, that they'll have more than enough as they sow, as they give in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray for Hannah. Let that baby come quickly. Let it be a blessed and an easy delivery for Hannah in Jesus' name. We'll give God praise as we see all these things come to pass. We give you glory and honor for it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.